They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. And Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. The wee, the wee dog here. Yep, you got returning guest star Shadow. Hi, Shadow. Hi, puppy. <laughs> All right, and so we're back. Woohoo! Special fortieth episode. Yep. Very exciting. So, oh, sorry, Shadow's looking at me. Um, Nathan, the Oscars—they've happened. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not, I'm not very pleased. I'm not pleased. Yeah, I think it was very, everyone I've talked to, it's, it was a very safe Oscars. They went very middle of the road. They gave it to a lot of the easy, easy, quote unquote. The obvious. Yeah, the obvious picks. About halfway through the night, I was able to predict everything that won for the rest of the night because it didn't go to anything that wasn't the odds on favorite to win, which was kind of disappointing. Uh, you already know we don't love what won Best Picture, Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, which also ran away with a lot of the Oscars. Yeah. Very so, disappointing. Yeah, I drank myself to sleep that night. Oh, I didn't. I just I just went to sleep like normally. Yeah. But uh, uh, biggest disappointment for me was definitely Kate Blanchett. I thought that she absolutely deserved the win for Tar. But, you know... Yeah. Michelle, as I said before when we were talking, Michelle Yeoh definitely was not the problem with everything everywhere. Yeah, but I, I do think Tar doesn't work without Kate Blanchett being as good as she does. And the fact that she carries like a three-hour-long movie is really impressive. So. They should have submitted your apartments for sale for best song, best original song. <laughs> Funny, good one, Elliot. But yeah, the rest of the broadcast was absolutely abysmal. The writers for the Oscars are so cringe. It is so painful to watch. Uh, it is so not funny. Um, yeah, the uh, Jimmy Kimmel had zero energy. Uh, I've already talked about this with Nathan. His interaction with Malala Yousafzai, 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 I don't know, um, was positively unbearable. Yeah, that uh, was one of the worst things I've ever seen. That was worse than Once Upon a Time in America. Yeah, that was rough, uh, for sure. Uh, I oh. watched it with... I had the benefit... I watched it with friends. You were forced to watch it with our family. Yeah, but I wasn't paying that much attention. Oh, okay. I was listening to music on my computer, and then when I saw that awards were being given out, I took off paying attention. Loved uh, the Andrew Garfield talking about how Triangle of Sadness is a critique of the uber wealthy. And I was like, who are the people in this room? <laughs> just the pretty wealthy? Yeah. The we're, super duper we're, wealthy? We're just some chumps. Yeah, we're 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 just the working man. Yeah. They're pros they're positively proletarian. Yeah. 
So it was it was not great. I was very pleased just to say a positive thing. I was very happy to see that Woman Talking won Best Adaptation. I had just seen it that day, and it was a really fantastic movie. And the script. Uh, it was mostly women talking, wouldn't you believe it? So the script was very important, in fact. But anyway, Elliot, the final episode of Last of Us yes. has been shown. Uh, you can give us your brief... Thoughts, and it's actually on topic. It We're is. talking about TV shows today. Uh, last episode, I was pretty disappointed. Wow. It was 42 minutes long. 10 minutes of that were for a flashback. So they were really barreling through the most important, like this is the culmination of all the stories, themes, and character work. So to move through it at such an exhausting clip, I thought was absolutely the wrong way to go. Mm. Um yeah, and honestly, uh, that could be that could be applied to the whole show. Uh, I feel like everything that really needed to be let left room to breathe was rushed through, and everything that needed to be moved through at a fairly brisk clip was pontificated on at length. So I know I was really excited about it in the beginning. Uh, to be honest, that excitement was kind of predicated on a few things changing over the course of the series. They did not end up changing. Joel and Ellie didn't really feel like they liked each other all that much. Ellie was kind of annoying. Like, the overwhelming majority of their interactions were just, Joel tells Ellie so to do something, she doesn't do it, Joel looks annoyed. And it's really hard to build a loving pseudo-father-daughter-esque relationship out of that. So, yeah, uh... It wasn't bad by any means. There were still some good, uh, some fantastic moments and some really great episodes. But the whole package, I think, was kind of a letdown. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of the issue with video game adaptations on a whole is that people seem to fail to understand that a video game is like 15 plus hours of story a lot of the time. And not all of that story is delivered through cutscenes. Yes. In fact, maybe even the bulk of it is delivered in gameplay. Yeah, it took me like, I'm just saying this because I know Amazon is making a series on it, but it took me like 40 hours to finish God of War Ragnarok. And I felt that all of that time was important in constructing the story, even like the side quests. But how do you put that into, I don't want to get too bogged down here, but like, how do you put that into a story, right? How do you put a side quest into a meaningful story with good pacing and, right, you you still feel like you're moving the story along without getting bogged down in, oh, we've got to go find this sword somewhere. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. side quest is literally a derogative shorthand for yes. meaningless subplot in movies. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I agree. That's unfortunate that it didn't turn out as good as... I know you love the video game quite a bit, so yeah. that's unfortunate. But now we can talk about we can talk about some television we like. We're For our 40th episode, we're, we're talking about television. We're going so, away from the silver screen and on to the, what, black screen. Yeah, the other screen. The black mirror. <laughs> good reference. <Yeah. laughs> um... But yeah, we don't, uh, just, I guess, to sort of set this up, I don't watch a lot of television because I don't have the patience for it. It kind of amazes me when I tell people like, oh, I saw like five movies last week. And they're like, whoa, I could never do that. But then they sit down and binge like 
10 episodes of The Great British Baking Show or something. Yeah. Binging is hard. Yeah, I, I just can't. get really bored. Yes, well, I don't get bored, but I, I just get, like, antsy. restless. Yeah. Like, I can sit down and very easily watch a two-hour sh- movie, but if I have to watch two back-to-back episodes of an hour-long show, I I really struggle with that. I can't. I have difficulty doing that. So I haven't seen a ton of television. Elliot, I don't think you've seen a lot of television either. No, especially in the last few years yeah i have i've watched like maybe oh gosh it might just be the sopranos (laughs) i watched the entirety of the sopranos over the last few years yeah so and also stranger things yeah that's true so we've watched a few of the shows that people talk about and stuff uh but Nathan's on his phone, being unprofessional. All of, all of, okay, my notes are on my phone. Okay, I, Florida, I see that, I see that. I'm just going to apologize here. The crunching you hear is our dog chewing on a bone at our feet. It's, he's lying. It's actually Nathan chewing on a bone. Nathan, stop it. <laughs> yeah, so do we want to start with, I know we talked about this. We didn't nail it down before we started recording, but do we want to start with some honorable mentions? Uh, Sure, you... I'll go first since I don't really have very many. Okay, sure. Uh, this was difficult for me to come up with a list. I still, I definitely love all of the TV shows I'm going to talk about, but it yeah. was hard to think of them because I just haven't watched that many. I guess honorable mentions are uh, mostly stuff that I watched as a kid, like Star Wars The Clone Wars. I was really into that. <laughs> um, it's a good show. There, are, Yeah, there are some like really good, great Star Wars moments in that show. Um, Darth Maul is fantastic in that show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Better Call Saul, sure. great prequel. Uh, I'm going to talk about Breaking Bad here in a bit, but uh, Better Call Saul does a lot of the stuff that Breaking Bad did very well, and Bob Odenkirk, I think, definitely goes toe-to-toe with Brian Cranston in the in the leading role. Um, really liked Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> I was told, you won't believe this, this is just because you brought it up. I was told recently by someone that I sound like, or I make noises akin to the sounds that Dr. Doofenshmirtz makes. Elliot, do you think this is true? Noises? What kind of, like, grunts of pain? Yeah, like grunts or the little, I don't know. I I think that person was just having a laugh. Because mm, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> having a all. laugh. Interesting. All right. Do you have any other other? Uh, I also did really like The Sopranos. Mm, okay. um, I thought that that show was kind of weird in that it definitely wasn't what I was expecting. It was a lot more uh, self-contained than I thought it would be. Like all of the all of the seasons were about like one main story arc, and they didn't really impact each other. Um, so I thought that was. That wasn't what I was expecting, but I did end up really enjoying the show, and I thought James Gandolfini was fantastic as Mr. Soprano himself. I think that was kind of a thing, though, in the early 2000s, because I've only seen the first two seasons of The Wire, but they're like that, too. That they are... There's some things carried over, like characters are obviously the same, but like the end of season one of The Wire is a very neat capper to the whole season of The Wire. And season two is kind of the same way. I, I'm I see the wire is on my list to watch one day. Peaky Blinders is on my list to watch one day. There's a lot of shows that I want to watch, but yeah, I don't have a whole lot of time. Sure. 
Remember Kung Fu Panda, Legends of whatever it's called? Can't Legends you? of Awesomeness or yeah, something? Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> that was something. Yeah, so my honorable mentions would probably be True Detective. Oh. Would be on here if it weren't for the second season, which is terrible. But the first and the yeah. third season are really amazing. Those are great. Especially the first. The first season is incredible, the I first think. first season is incredible. And then, I, gosh, you cannot go wrong with Mahershala Ali. Yeah. Season three is also really amazing. But season two is really atrocious. So I couldn't. I was trying to eliminate shows that had a season that I didn't like as much as the other seasons. Which is also why uh, Young Justice isn't going to show up here. I love the first two seasons and I couldn't make it through the third season. So Dang. it's just not very good. It's not as fun. Like, the first two seasons are just fun. And then the third season is just really grim, and everyone's sad and old, and they're not even young justice. They're just normal age justice. Middle age yeah, justice. <laughs> middle age justice. And I don't want to see that. <laughs> That's too bad. But True Detective is fantastic. I wholeheartedly second that honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, I think that... I haven't even seen... Sorry. I haven't even seen season two, but yeah, I, I, I would definitely recommend seasons one and three. Yeah. And then probably my last honorable mention is the Looney Tunes show. It was a show we watched as children. Uh, I feel like it had too much of an impact on me that I absorbed too much of Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny's personality growing up. And so now I'm a very sarcastic, mean-spirited person. That so is an interesting show. I think that that show is way too <laughs> clever for its own good. Yeah. So, Elliot, uh, you can go first. What's your first... Uh, we're going to do our top five shows. Not in any order. Yeah, now you're happy that I have my phone out. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll just start randomly from this list uh, with Fargo, the mm. TV show. It's had four seasons. <clears throat> it's loosely, like, very, very loosely... It's not even based on... It's inspired by the Coen Brothers movie... Obviously, the Coen brothers or director is a directing pair that I really like. I really like the movie Fargo. And this movie's first season, I think, is close to perfect. Um, it's a similar kind of story to Fargo in that it's about a sort of uptight, fuddy-duddy... Uh, that was Shadow. <laughs> um, Stuck-in-a-rut, middle-aged man gets in over his head with the criminal element. Um, in this case, he kills his wife rather than arranges to have her kidnapped. Uh, but it leads to this spiraling series of events, which is very Coen Brothers-esque, this idea of somebody making not a simple, well, a, not a small decision, but a simple decision that has that sort, whose effects ripple out across the rest of the story. Yeah. But there's other stories in it, like uh, there's a policewoman um, who's suspicious of his story for what happened. He uh, tries to pass it off as it having been a home invasion. Um, so there's her trying to get to the bottom of it. Uh, and then, like, the not the centerpiece, but one of the centerpieces of this story is Lorne Malvo, uh, who's basically Antoine Chigurh if he was a little more amenable to cracking an occasional joke. <laughs> He's got the same nihilistic outlook. He's the same, like, extremely dangerous, uh, psychopathic hitman. 
definitely sadistic. Like he enjoys hurting people and killing people. He's like an unstoppable force of nature, although he does eventually get stopped in this season. Spoilers. Um, but Billy Bob Thornton plays him and he's great. Yeah. He and Martin Freeman do a really good job. They interact several times and their conversations are always engrossing. But everyone does a great job. I really like the policewoman, uh, Margie. Um, Colin Hanks plays Gus, who's a mailman. Well, he's a policeman who wants to be a mailman. He's really good. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, shucks, Midwestern, <laughs> good old boy. Uh, not good old boy. That's a term for uh, weird rich guys. Good boy. Good guy. And yeah, it's it's really quirky, just like the Coens, and it's violent at times. It's it's really, really good. Are the other seasons good, Elliot? <laughs> That's an interesting question, Nathan. <laughs> Season two is okay. Um, I, I guess I shouldn't have set the precedent of going through the entire storyline and characters. Well, you don't have to. You can just give your thoughts on the other. Season two is okay. It's, I feel like it's a bit too quirky, um, a bit too, like, surreal at times. Uh, there are definitely things that are kind of unexplained in the first season and things that you have to use some brain power to try to figure out. Uh, but then there are things that in season two that are just unexplained for the sake of being weird, um, which is not as entertaining. Season three, I felt, was a return to form. I really, really liked season three. That one had Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's a great actress, and her husband, um, Ewan McGregor, who's a great actor. And it has a really cool callback to the first season. Nathan doesn't, I don't, Nathan's Nathan's boring and stupid. He doesn't understand why the callback is so cool. I really like it. But yeah, I really like all the characters again. And then season four, <sighs> season four is a trip. Season four has one really good episode. Season four has one episode that had it been a template for the entire season, I think would have rivaled season one. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is not the template. The template is, I mean, the showrunner, what's his name again? Oh, shoot. Oh, Noah Hawley? Yeah, Noah Hawley. Grasps the quirkiness dial and turns it all the way to the right and then rebuilds the panel so he can turn it another few degrees to the right. It is insane. Nobody in season four acts like a normal human being. And it wears on you after a while. Uh, that season is probably kind of bad. So, I mean, I'm still excited for season five. I'm, I hope that we can again we can pull a season three and bring it back, uh, bring it back down to earth a little bit, have it a, be a bit more grounded. But seasons one and three are so good that I'm willing to overlook or just you know skip past seasons two and four. And yeah, that it. I've seen, I've rewatched season one like three or four times, and every time, I absolutely love it. Great stuff. Also, a really good, really good music across the whole series. Yeah, the music is really good, and the cinematography. I know we just finished dissing season four, but the guy who does the cinematography, Eric Messerschmidt, for season four, absolutely kills it. Season four looks great, at least. It does. And I do love how it captures the feel of the movie Fargo, 
which I think is kind of encapsulated in the opening log line, right? The following is based on a true story. No, the following is a true story. The following is a true story. In on respect for the dead. It's, it's something uh, about like... It occurred in year, in location, yeah. out of respect... Uh, names have been changed out of out of respect for the dead. The rest has been told exactly as it occurred. Yeah. Names have been changed for the sake of the right. living. For the sake for of the, the survivors. Out of respect of the dead, everything else is told. Which I think is very cool and contributes to some of the stuff that you were talking about. That it's stuff happens that is unexplained, but it's unexplained because it's a true story. So they don't have to explain it, which can be both sometimes, good and bad. Sometimes weird things happen in real life. Yeah. I mean, Nathan was just chewing on a bone meant for a dog. <laughs> that's not. weird. That's, un- that's inexplicable. All right. Whatever. All right. Let's keep, let's keep this moving along. Let's return to the phone. I have to see. Cause okay. these shows aren't good enough for us to remember them. Of course. I can't remember that. Okay, so my first one that I'm going to do is uh, Gravity Falls, which is a movie for, or a show for children. It's designed for children to be watch it. Uh, it's kind of a Twin Peaks style mystery. Two kids go to their great uncle's home up in nowhere. It's in Oregon, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then some spooky things happen. And so a lot of the episodes are not connected. They don't tell an overarching story, but some of them do. And I think it's a just a really fantastic mystery. It's a really amazing coming-of-age story for the two protagonists as they're both kind of grappling with growing up and being older and not being able to stay in uh, necessarily the phase of life that you would want to stay in for your whole life. And it's incredibly funny. I've, I've rewatched it a couple times, and I still find it incredibly amusing when I watch it now. And it's just incredibly watchable. We just talked about how much we can't binge things, but I can binge episodes of Gravity Falls. I think all of the episodes are interesting, and even though it is made for right children... I think it's dealing with a lot of things that are very relatable to, you know, people of all ages. And it's just a really fantastic show. I mean, I don't have a ton of stuff to say about it. It's just really good. It's got some big names in the cast. J.K. Simmons, Nick Offerman. Yes, this is true. It's got quite a few uh, cameos from very famous voice actors and just famous, you know, regular actors. I should have had Nolan North on there. I think he is in it. Really? Yeah, <laughs> a couple times. In fact. Are you sure? Yes, I'm almost positive. No, no, that's stupid. That's crazy. <laughs> you're you're talking crazy. Uh, I also really like that show. Uh, it was never going to have a satisfying explanation for what was going on, just because the explanation is usually less interesting than the intrigue. Yeah. But I thought that this explanation was particularly weak. Um, that it was just a dimension of weirdness that has some kind of overlap in the town. That's what, that's dumb, but still it is really, it is a very good show. It's very funny. There's, there's some parts that are pretty freaky, even for me, yeah, uh, well, even for me. I mean, I'm a big baby, but like even for somebody with a more, uh, fortuitous who, disposition, seen some stuff. fortuitous, not fortuitous. That doesn't make any sense in this context. Fortidious. Uh, just going to move right along past that. <laughs> yep. Ellie, what's your uh, second one? My second one is Mindhunter. Um, 
this is a show, I've talked about this show because I recommended it uh, for, what was it, for Silence of the Lambs, I think. Yeah. But it's very loosely based on a book called Mindhunter, which is by uh, the FBI agent who um, essentially invented the term serial killers uh, and invented this, like, what, questionnaire for trying to identify them. It's unclear if it actually works or not uh, in reality, I think. But this is a great show. David Fincher, he directed some of the episodes, and I think he was like a producer or a showrunner. Not 100% sure what his role was. But yeah, so it's about these two FBI agents who go around interviewing real-life serial killers, played by actors, I should clarify, to try to figure out if serial killers can be identified through uh, certain psychological or behavioral indications. Like, the, if somebody is doing this and thinks this way and acts in this way, then they might be a serial killer. Again, it's uh, sort of dubious in terms of the actual science behind it. I think that the FBI has sort of moved away from that. Don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure. But it's a fantastic show. It's mostly just about these interviews, um, but they are absolutely chilling. They're very... It is extremely finchery. It's very dark, incredibly well shot, very well lit. Um, my shadow. Sorry, shadow is very distracting. Uh, the the main cast: Anna Torv, um, Jonathan Groff, and then I'm sorry, I'm completely blanking on the other guy's name. But they all do fantastic in their jobs. They all have very distinct characters that play really well off of each other. And they all have really interesting stories that they're going through outside of their work. Um, I feel like there was a lot of potential to make, to just phone in the non-serial killer portion of the show. But it is still interesting and compelling. And yeah, it's really, really good. I definitely would recommend against binging it because it'll make you feel miserable. I mean, it's, it does, it's not a feel-good show at all. But it's definitely, like all of, well... Like most of Fincher's stuff, it is it is very, very well done. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I've been meaning to get around to it, but again, I don't watch television. And a lot of the television I do watch, I want to be happy while I watch it. So Mindhunter has never appealed to me for that, for that sort of reason. Well, I'm already unhappy, so it doesn't really change anything. But there are only two seasons of it. It was famously canceled for season three because the production value was... It, cost too much to make for the relatively low viewership it pulled. Yeah. So it does, it, it kind of ends on a cliffhanger, which is unfortunate. That is, that is a straight bummer. They are two seasons of some immaculate television. Um, before I do my next one, I want to give another honorable mention because I just remembered it while you were talking and right. I'm going to feel, I'm definitely going to feel bad if we end the episode and I'm like, oh, I forgot about this thing. Don't do that. Sorry. I didn't think that would make noise. <laughs> um, I want to give an honorable mention to the Daredevil television show. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's still on Netflix or if it got moved to Disney+. Plus, But it is incredible. Probably the best thing to come out of the MCU, period. 
the first season is impeccable. The second season is kind of goofy, but then the third season is really amazing. So I just wanted to honorable mention that real fast. That's a fantastic show. So is the first season of Jessica Jones, but I didn't watch season two. So and then Iron Fist was terrible, and then The Defenders was pretty bad, and then I was Luke like, Cage wasn't good. Luke Cage had a really good first half, and then they made the tragic and indefensible decision of removing Mahershala Ali from the show, yeah. at which point the quality took a nosedive. Yeah. Uh, so my second my second actual recommendation or actual uh, top five favorite shows is Samurai Jack, another show for children. Right. <laughs> I'm really... Uh, Elliot's coming in hot with very dark, edgy things. I'm coming in hot with the shows for, for children. Uh, so Samurai Jack follows the titular Samurai Jack as he's thrown into the future by the villain in kind of the pilot episode. And so since the villain had like 200 some years where Samurai Jack wasn't around, he has conquered most of the world. No! Yeah. So Samurai Jack is five seasons of Jack trying to figure out how to, in the names of the theme song, get back back to the past. Back to the past, gotta get back. <laughs> That's the theme song. <laughs> but it's an incredible show, I think, because it's coming from a place of defeat. So it's more about Samurai Jack continually facing incredible odds and deciding to remain persistent in his goal despite all that. There's a lot of really amazing episodes that have very little to do with the overarching story of him trying to beat Aku and are more just about him. Like there's an episode where he climbs a mountain just to prove to himself he can still do stuff like that. There's an episode where he finds his family's ancestral home and it's just like 30 minutes of him remembering how much he misses as his family. And so it's a much more contemplative show than I think you would expect for children. And then the final season is not for children and is dives very deeply into what it would do to a person to be so far away from ever being able to accomplish the goal as well as unable to die because Samurai Jack can't die. So he's having a tough time in the fifth Why not? season. Because of the time travel. He can't die. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's a show for children. But it's really amazing. I can't remember. Oh, gosh. What's the name of the guy who voices Jack? Oh, shoot. Jack? Nope. I can't remember his name. But he voices a lot of stuff, and he does an amazing job here. The fight scenes are amazing. It's done by Gendy Tarkovsky, who did the original Star Wars The Clone Wars show. Really cool. Yeah, he has a really amazing understanding of how animated fights can look just incredibly flippin' dope. So, every fight scene is really awesome in Samurai Jack. And just as a whole, it's a really amazing uh, show. Yeah, I watched one episode of that, and then I watched the entire last season with you, uh, and I thought it was really, really good. Yeah. So, I... I'm assuming the rest of it is also very good. I do like uh, Star Wars Clone Wars. One of my one of my fondest memories is trying to get the family video copy of Star Wars Clone Wars to actually play. Yes. This is so scratched up, and we were trying to eke our way through the last fight of the first season with all of the Jedi versus General Grievous. Grievous. Yes. Um, 
I don't think we ever got there. No, we didn't. We we watched it eventually. It was a, it's a dope flipping fight. We definitely didn't pirate it. Um, we definitely didn't. Oh, well, I did at one point. Oh, okay. Well, that's whack of you. FBI, get him. Get that's him. a joke. I didn't actually do that. It was uploaded on YouTube at some point before Disney took over Star Wars and was like, stop doing that. Yeah, enough of that. Anyway, um, yep. what Ellie. should I do next? Oh, here we go. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Barry. Mm. Um, Barry is sort of a, sort of a hot topic right now. Uh, because it just had a trailer for its fourth and final season. What a, what an interesting idea for a showrunner to have an idea for where a show should go. John Favreau must be absolutely baffled. Wow. Uh, but anyway, this is a great show. Uh, Bill Hader is a fantastic actor. I, I'm so sad that he doesn't get more work because after watching this, he's 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 amazing. Like he's he's Emmy Oscar worthy, I think. He's won multiple Emmys for this show. Well, good. <laughs> he deserves it. He's worthy of it. Um, so this is about it's a comedy drama, a dramedy, as they as they say, about a hitman who tries to leave his life of violence behind and become an actor, but he keeps on stumbling into um, uh, the surprisingly tangled interwoven web of crime that runs through Los Angeles, uh, multi-ethnic crime gangs, uh, which is, I think is uh, very important to show diversity in <laughs> criminal activity. In criminal activity, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, and the overarching antagonist of the show is, uh, what's his name? Something Fugues? Fugues, yeah. I don't Fugues, know played by Jonathan Root. Yeah. Um, you mean Stephen Root? I do mean Stephen Root. Uh, who's been in a lot of stuff. Yes. I'm not going to say anything. He was in Get Out. There, he was in that. But anyway, it's a really good show. Uh, it's definitely like a character study about Barry because a lot of the show is about him trying to decide if he even deserves redemption, if he can be redeemed, if it's possible for him to leave this life behind. The answer increasingly seems to be no because he... Every time he's in a bad situation, he falls back on violence. Yeah. Um, but the show makes it so that instead of being irritating or making you dislike him, I think it's very it's very tragic yeah. how what he just can't break free of his old habits. Shadow's going to town. It's also his girlfriend, Sarah or Sally. Yeah. Uh, she's played very well by an actress whose name I don't know, but she also has an arc of trying to deal with this past trauma that she's had with a violent partner. Obviously, that's unfortunate given her current partner, or not current partner anymore because they broke up because Barry's a psychopath. <laughs> but I think that this is a fantastic example of how to do, how to make a bad person likable and watchable. Yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily rooting for Barry. Because he, I mean, he does not just kill criminals. He kills innocent people to protect himself. Yeah. But Bill Hader plays him so well, and he's written so well, that you just feel bad for him. Uh, and you just, you still like watching him. It's not, it's not like, you know, Rick from Rick and Morty, where 
I, I've only seen like one episode of that show, but I just wanted Rick to die painfully or to be imprisoned because he was a terrible person with no redeeming qualities. But Barry does have redeeming qualities as a character and as uh, with uh, Bill Hader as an actor. Also, Henry Winkler's in it. He does really well. It's very funny. Um, it definitely leans into surrealist territory very often, especially over the last few seasons. And I usually hate surrealism. And sometimes it's a bit much in this show. But generally, I think it works. I think it contributes to this show's off-kilter, uh, slightly, well, not slightly, very strange aesthetic and atmosphere. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for season four. Yeah, Barry is a great show. I agree with all the points you made. We really watched it. It was free on HBO for some reason. They were trying to sucker people into buying it, I think. And we ended up watching. I watched it. We watched it together pretty much in one day. And then our family came home and we watched it with them the next day. Yeah. It was a grueling exercise because the show is a bummer, especially as it goes on. It gets more and more of a bummer, but a really fantastic show. Uh, my third one, I keep doing uh, light things because Elliot keeps suggesting dark, dark shows. Uh, so my third one is Seinfeld. Uh, you've probably heard of it. It was, I think, the biggest show of the 90s, one of the biggest shows of all time. Uh, I think famously, the finale was one of the most watched episodes of television ever. And it's just so incredibly funny. So amazingly funny. I think George Costanza is one of uh, the best comic characters of all time. Because I think it's Larry David and the funniness of kind of Larry David and his observations but filtered through an actor who's kind of shaving the rough edges off and making George a bit more likable and relatable than I think Larry David is. <laughs> Called out. <laughs> well, and yeah, it's just really funny. I mean, it's the classic anti-sitcom sitcom. It paved the way for stuff like Only Sunny in Philadelphia and like BoJack Horseman or any sitcom that has tried to be more than just a sitcom, I think is born from Seinfeld's famous, famous, sort of famous, no hugging rule that they refuse to end any episode as you would expect it to be in something like Friends that it would end with, right? The character sitting down and being like, hey, you hurt me. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's, you know, hug and cry that Seinfeld just ends with, usually a joke that it's like oh look at these morons and now they've ruined something it's incredibly funny i think the other thing and the last thing i'll say about it is i think it's aged amazingly well because despite the fact that some of the plots are reliant on technology that is no longer relevant such as there's an episode where george has to get some a message off a voice machine an embarrassing message that he's left a woman that he's seeing off of her voice machine. Not a lot of people, that's not a thing that we have to do, but I think because the germ of the idea is, right, we do embarrassing things and then wish we could undo them, because that remains relatable, I think the show remains relatable, despite the fact that it does have plot lines based around things that are 
just ridiculous now with cell phones and stuff like that. Yeah. I've only seen a few episodes of that. It generally makes me laugh. Um, I definitely don't love it as much as Nathan does. I, it wasn't enough to compel me to watch the whole show, but, you know, that's your thing. What is, what is this salty discharge from my eyes? That's a reference. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on to something good. Gosh, <laughs> another, another dour entry from Elliot. This is dour, but in a sort of, like, hopeful well, a bit hopeful. <laughs> it's Chernobyl, the mini, the HBO miniseries chronicling the events leading up to and then in the in the fallout of the Chernobyl nuclear reactor disaster. Uh, if you don't know, and a surprising number of people don't, in the 1980s, I want to say? Late 80s. Late 80s. Because Gorbachev was general secretary... And the Soviet Union still existed. Yeah. So, yeah, it would have had to have been around that time. It doesn't matter. Um, a nuclear reactor, Chernobyl, exploded, uh, emitting tons of radiation. A few people died as an immediate result of the explosion. It's estimated that thousands of people died as a result of cancer from the increased radiation in the immediate areas. Uh, the Soviet Union very famously did not enjoy... Uh, getting a black eye on the global stage, so they tried to cover it up. Uh, it didn't really work. So they eventually tried to blame it on um, human error rather than the design of the reactor. It was an RBMK reactor. But the problem was that the RBMK reactor was designed poorly. It was It was just a poorly designed machine. So the show is about... It's sort of split into two parts... Uh, one part is about them trying to keep Europe from becoming Fallout 4 uh, through various means. And the other part is about them trying to figure out what happened. Yeah. Uh, and then the main scientist, Valeri, want to say his yeah, name? something like that. Something like that. Um, he, uh, in a public trial in front of scientists from around the world that the Soviet Union had thrown together to basically this reassure is, the you're world. You're about to give away the end of the show. Well, th no, I'm about to give the end of uh, give away the end of the history lesson. Oh, okay. That's uh, also the end of the show, though. Fine. <laughs> something, there's a trial at the end where Valeri does something. But this is a great show. It is, it is probably one of the scarier shows I've ever seen because just the extent to which radiation is an unstoppable, untreatable malady is absolutely terrifying. And the prospect of it like spreading over an entire continent as was in the cards for a while is legitimately chilling. Uh, there are so many moments of people like in places that we, the audience know, are highly radioactive. And the way they're shot and the way they're scored, it's just completely terrifying. Like, there's this one that, um, and they always are, they're constantly reminding you of the stakes. Like, there's a part where they need to move a bunch of radioactive debris off of a roof, and the radiation is so intense on the roof that they can't stay up there for more than a minute. Um, and so there's this, ex well, not extended, because it only lasts like a minute. There's a sequence of somebody running back and forth, and they fall over, and they tear their protective suit and 
when I first saw it, my my heart just dropped because it's so well done and you know exactly what's about to happen. Um, there are moments of real tension, even though we know living in the present day that Europe is not Fallout 4. It's still interesting and fascinating to see how it is that that fate was avoided. Um, gotta shout out the main cast, Jared Harris, Stellan Skarsgård. Gosh dang it, I can't remember the actress's name. Wow. Is it? It's not Sally Fields, is it? No, it's not. No. Gosh dang it. Um, Should have looked I it up remember. before. Should have. Uh, Jesse Buckley. There, there's a woman. She's in it. She's good. Uh, she plays the one firefighter's wife. Oh, yeah, she is. She's in Fargo, too. She is. Fargo season four. She's yeah, less good in that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they are amazing. They have incredible chemistry, and their performances are fantastic. Stone Skarsgård char- Skarsgård's character especially has a great arc from um, deeply entrenched, apathetic, party apparatchik to somebody who legitimately... What is that face? I just... You use big words. <laughs> you don't know what the word deeply means, Nathan? <laughs> Funny. <laughs> uh, to somebody who legit... He's moved by Valeri's explanations to a legitimately caring, uh, more compassionate person who's trying to do the best that he can in a political system that devalues... Uh, truth and people basically putting themselves on the line for the sake of others. Um, so it's very, it's very good. It's very interesting insight into the mechanics of the Soviet political apparatus. I'm very interested in Russian history, so I really like that aspect of it. They do a really good job of explaining the science to people like me who are stupid and don't know science. Uh, Nathan knows more science than me, so I'm assuming it was more comprehensible to you. Uh, but yeah, it's a great show. It's not very long. Um, it's just a few episodes because, well, not a few episodes, it's like six or seven. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, it's a mini series. It's, it's fantastic. I definitely, you should definitely watch it. Yeah. It's also one of the more, uh, from my understanding, authentic based on a true story television shows or just pieces of fiction, period. I believe they had a podcast called Inside Chernobyl that after every episode, the director would basically break down every deviation from truth that was in the episode and why they kind of did that. Because a main theme, like you said, of the show is lies are destructive and create a lot of bad things down the road, down the line. So he wanted to not have the show be lying, a show about lies be lying. So he breaks down it. And we watched it with our dad who had read the book the show was based on, kind of. Yeah, who is also very interested and has probably read a lot more on Soviet history than me. Yeah, and he really enjoyed it. So if you're a political science professor who loves Russian history, you'll definitely enjoy it. <laughs> definitely. And if you're not, if you're just a guy who likes good TV. Yeah. Um. So my next one, the penultimate entry, is uh, another goofy, funny one. <laughs> Chernobyl is goofy funny. It is not. It is. Uh, mine is Nathan for You. Uh, it's hard to kind of describe it. The premise is Nathan Fielder, who is a Canadian comedian, basically goes to small businesses and gives them out-of-the-box ideas to try and grow their business. Uh, I think one of the best examples from one of the first episodes is he 
installs in a frozen yogurt store a poop-flavored yogurt just for the purposes of drumming up interest because so people go like, oh, that's so weird and gross. I got to go and try that. Does it really taste like poop? So the show is very funny just in terms of concept that the ideas he brings to businesses sometimes are, in my opinion, genuinely have some merit and then other times just are incredibly idiotic. But seeing how far he goes to try and get these ideas to work is very funny. Nathan Fielder is a very deadpan sort of comedian. So it's always funny to see him uh, deal with people who think his ideas are idiotic. As the show goes on, it becomes more, there's portions where it becomes almost a character study of the person, Nathan Fielder, and the person that he's kind of depicting. But it's incredibly funny. It's one of the smartest shows I think I've ever seen where it has a great understanding of people will do almost anything if you put a camera in front of their face, both in good and bad. And it's just so weird. It's so goofy. I think the season finale, which is a full-length almost film called Finding Francis, is one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. It's so funny. Uh, the character that it's, or the person that it's kind of about is one of the more interesting people I think that there's ever been a documentary about. But it's amazing. And the main character, Nathan. I My name is Nathan, so I love that. But yeah, it's a really great show. You wouldn't believe some of the stuff that he pulls off in this. That show is weird. <laughs> it's definitely really funny, but man, it is it is a trip. Uh, I, I that's exactly what I was going to say that people's tolerance for complete insanity when they're being filmed is it's just beyond anything. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It reminds me of the one experiment that the guy did where he asked people to, you know, give sh electric shocks the to someone. Miller? Milner? I don't know. Milgram. Milgram. Sure. Uh, give electric shocks to someone out of sight, uh, increasing the voltage as they continually like cry for help and cry out in pain. And he just put a camera in front of them and like an official looking guy in the corner who kept on telling them, keep going, even when they got a little anxious. And most of them ended up uh, pressing the switch that had a skull under it. Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. Yeah, so Nathan Fielder is kind of like Milgram. <laughs> yeah, so okay. there, so there. It's not all that happy goofy, is it? Yeah. It's actually a revelation does, of the human capacity for violence. There's, cer there's certainly a meta sort of discussion to be had about whether or not Nathan Fielder is a good person for what he does in the show. But it's hard to tell what is manufactured from the show and what is just genuinely people being weird. So, yeah. I mean, it is set in L.A., so. Yeah. <laughs> L.A. is full of weirdos. It is. So true, Elliot. All right. Well, let's. You can do, I think you might have already spoiled it, but you can do your final. Yeah, my top pick. Yeah. My favorite show is Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, this is a good show right here. <laughs> Makes me want to do drugs, quite frankly, and make drugs. Wow. So if you're like the 5% of people on earth who don't know, or at least 5% of people in America who don't know, Breaking Bad follows a high school chemistry teacher named Walter White who uses his mad chemistry skills <laughs> to... 
make and sell crystal meth after he is diagnosed with lung cancer and needs money both to leave to his family, so they're taken care of once he's gone, and to pay for the expensive treatments. Um, he partners up with Jesse Pinkman, played by Aaron Paul, uh, who's like a street smart uh, addict, who's definitely who's his his like way into the drug world. This is an incredible show. Everything that you've heard about Breaking Bad is true. Brian Cranston is giving a career-defining performance as Walter White. The whole thing is basically a big character study of Walter White, his flaws, his arrogance, and his complete inability to, to accept help, his pridefulness, uh, his need to be the best and to be recognized as the best. But everyone, well, most pe most other people also have really complex, interesting characters, like uh, his brother-in-law, Hank, who's this, who puts on this front of being a really big, tough guy, who's uh, like a locker room type guy who's in there making inappropriate jokes and stuff, but in reality is kind of fragile and haunted by a lot of the stuff that he's seen and done. Uh, Jesse Pinkman wants to do the right thing. He wants to be a good person, but he keeps on being dragged, much like Barry, well, sort of like Barry, keeps on being dragged into this world that is very much not conducive to being a good person. Gus Fring is a fantastic villain, uh, and he was a star-making role for Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, although I do think it kind of ended up with him being typecast a bit, which is, you know, it's unfortunate because I do think he has a lot of range. Um... But all of the characters are really interesting. There are moments that are really funny. It's incredibly well shot. It's very well written. And yeah, I've watched it like five or six times. And it's it's the only, well, it's one of the only shows that I can watch all the way through without getting tired of. Even though I've seen it already. And yeah, the last two episodes are some of the best television I think I've ever seen my entire life. And I've been alive for 21 years. Wow. Yeah. Almost 22. That's true. Send in your birthday wishes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, don't do that. Um, yeah, I agree. I've only seen Breaking Bad the once because, again, hour-long shows really take it down on me. But I did really enjoy it when I did watch it back in high school, I think it was. Really good show. Great character study. Um, Vince Gilligan needs to learn how to write female characters. and then He did. He them. did write. He <laughs> did much better with um, Kim Wexler in Better Call Saul. Okay, well, thank the Lord. <laughs> yeah, but Breaking Bad is great. I do think everything you've heard about it is true. Uh, so now Unless you've heard that it's like bad or something. That's a lie. That's a filthy dirty lie. So my last one, this isn't necessarily my favorite show, ever because i don't think i don't know how, what it would be but my last one is black mirror which really kind of exploded in popularity once it crossed the pond it was originally just a british show it's recently crossed the pond to critical and commercial acclaim via netflix there's been five seasons the fifth season is not great but it's also only three episodes so it's thankfully one of the shorter seasons yeah, I just, I love good science fiction, and I think good science fiction is more about how technology, what technology tells us about humans than necessarily just, 
oh, spooky technology. I think great science fiction, something like 2001 A Space Odyssey, the book, uh, Planet of the Apes, any sort of version of it that's not Tim Burton's, Mm -hmm. Interstellar, uh, Solaris, if you're into Russian cinema, stuff that is more about what is the shape of humanity on the edges of technology in space. And I think Black Mirror does that and comes at it from so many different ways. There's definitely at least one episode for anyone that you would love and find incredibly interesting. It's an anthology, so it's never with the same cast. All of the casts pretty much universally across the board do a great job. Tons of amazing, incredibly talented actors have been in the show. Uh, I think my personal, probably one of my personal favorite episodes. Oh, gosh, I should have thought before I started saying this. Uh, Probably 10 Million Merits is one of the first episodes that I saw that I thought was really incredible. That was it's kind of about how willing humans are like Nathan for you, how willing humans are to dehumanize themselves in the sake of uh, getting ahead in society. And yeah, it's just amazing. Really good science fiction all the way through. I mean, there's obviously a couple duds in the five seasons that there's been, but I think the highs greatly outweigh the lows. It's incredibly, incredibly interesting and philosophical, and I love it. And I think it's one of the better shows that's still running, assuming they're doing a fifth season, which I think they are. Eh. Okay, yeah. Now Elliot can complain about it. He's been making faces the whole time. I'm gushing. Black Mirror is okay. I mean, there are some episodes that I really, really like, but then there's some episodes that are just stupid and that just annoy me. Um, my favorite is probably White Bear. Um, mm. That episode is absolutely terrifying. Uh, it scared the bejesus out of me. I first watched it on my phone uh, at night alone. Uh, in bed. It was very frightening. I was scared. I was actually kind of happy when they had their reveal and things were still very grim, but they were just presented in a more peppy tone. Yeah. That the peppiness was supposed to contribute to the grimness, but I was like, oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Thank goodness. Thank the Lord. Uh, Yeah. (sighs) Some of those episodes really annoy me. And I know that I just gave you essentially a list of why you should be miserable or TV shows that are about why you should be miserable. But <laughs> that show just makes me feel gross. Makes me feel like I need a shower. Some of the episodes are just obscene. Uh, and I, I like, I like, you know, I, I like grimness and darkness, but obscenity, you know, that <laughs> ugh, it's just gross. Feels okay. like, it feels like right. the girl with the dragon tattoo. That is a bad show. But Black Mirror is great. Uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is a movie, not a show. Whatever. And then that last episode of season three, or season five, season four. <sighs> it, that is bizarre. That is the one with Hannah Montana. That's season five. Season five? Yeah. yeah. Well, you said that you were asking if they were going to make a season five. A so which is it? season. There you go. That episode's truly insane. That episode is truly it's, bad. Too. It's, uh, it's essentially a Disney Channel original movie with swearing. No, it's not good. Maybe someday we'll do like a, a special episode and we'll do one of the Black Mirror episodes. That's not. I don't want to watch any of them. Oh, yeah, you do. No, I don't. Whatever. But hey, for right now, I think we should say that life is hard and full of disappointments. Sure, sure, sure.
Well, 40 episodes, Elliot. We're, we're closing in on being the longest-running uh, movie review podcast in the Midwest. Nice. Yep. So, suck it if you're the other podcasts yeah. that review movies in the Midwest. Uh, yeah, with 40 episodes approaching the big 5-0. We're yep. going to do favorite video games. And then for <laughs> 60, we're going to do favorite books. And then for 70, we're going to do favorite plays. And then for plays? 80, we're going <laughs> to do favorite sculptures. Dude, favorite sculptures. That could kind of be a banger one, honestly. <laughs> really tough to do. Yeah, I, I, I like the sculpture of a turtle that I made in middle school. It's wow. Pretty, it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Hilarious. It looks just like a turtle. Okay. Hilarious joke aside, Elliot. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with a regular episode reviewing uh, some movie. That and probably no one's ever heard of. No, it'll probably be a movie that some people have heard of. Well, we'll have heard of it.